0: What's up, guys? This is John Hasselbauer, golf writer for Thelines.com, And in this video, we'll be going over the Valero Texas Open uh, tournament preview, my model, key stats, and everybody that I will be placing my money on this week. It's a big bankroll builder week um, as the appetizer, the amuse-bouche, to the most popular tournament of the year, the Masters tournament, in the following week. So definitely need to build a little bit of bankroll um, this week, so that we have a little more money to spend on so many specialty props and everything you can think of, the the sports world will be on notice uh, for golf. If if only for one to four to five weeks a year, that is definitely one of them. And um, I'll be you know cranking out content for the Masters left and right um, every day next week, and the, including this week actually, we'll have plenty of uh, plenty of articles, plenty of videos, podcast appearances, you name it. So. Uh, you can find all of that here at thelines.com and on the Lions YouTube uh, channel. So while you're here, make sure you do hit that subscribe button. Uh, there's still plenty of college basketball content being put out on a daily basis. We've got the Final Four coming up. Uh, it's been a great um, great tournament for the Lions staff, not myself included, because I have been too focused on, on golf to really like dig into Um, the smart way to, to bet March Madness, which is, you know, look at stats and read uh, the articles and the expertise of everybody else. Um, I've pretty much just been going off of vibes and the vibes have, have not been good. So, um, I, I have not had a great March Madness tournament. Brackets have been bad. Bets have not been spectacular. Um, but fortunately last week, the, um, the Corrales Punta Cana championship picked us up. Nat Wallace came through for us. Um, always nice, um, to visit the course, get a little bit of course knowledge, understand how it sorts of plays out there. And then, it, you know, apply that to everything that we do on a weekly basis anyway, and have it all work out too. Um, after playing Corrales, it definitely seemed to me like you need to be an elite, uh, approach player, which the, the history would back that up. And then you're just inevitably going to hit into these long par fives, have some tight runoffs, and need to get up and down for birdies. And, and those are your birdie opportunities. So uh, that's exactly what Matt Wallace does. And spoiler alert, it's a reason why I, I really like him at um, at TPC San Antonio this week as well, uh, where he, pr- uh, prior to his win at Corrales, uh, had his best career PGA Tour finish at this event in 2021 with a T3. Um, so, you know, it's not my favorite event. I'll be honest Uh, with the look ahead to the masters. Um, I think a lot of people who are not like as obsessed with golf as myself, maybe would probably skip over this event, may not want to tune in, uh, or save their money up for the masters. I I think, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. I, I've had some sweats here. I've never hit a winner at Valero. Um, you know, shouts out to everybody who had JJ spawn here last year at 201. I wrote him up as a top 20 play, uh, did not pull the trigger on and outright, which same fate as, uh, Taylor Moore at, uh, at the Valspar two events ago. So hate when that happens, it stings a little bit, but I guess it means that the, the, um, the research is pretty spot on. Um, and, and the signs from JJ Spawn last year were really, you know, this guy's top 10 in the strokes gained total leading in and he's 200 to one and he can hit fairways and he's a decent approach player. Um, all of that same logic, I think, is totally fine to to come back to at Valero. Um and we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. But before um before we go any further into Valero, you know, we talked about Corrales, which was the good. There was also the match play last week, which is the not so good. Um, you know, I went all in on John Rahm, more or less. Um of the top six seeds, five of them advanced out of group play. John Rahm, of course, was the only one who did not. Um, so you know, that's a shame. Anything that was uh, associated with a bracket. Um, for me last week got completely busted. So, uh, a little disappointing if there's any like silver lining that comes out of that, I would still like to get a piece of Rom at the masters. And maybe since he looked the worst of the elites and the other, uh, you know, Scotty and, and Rory faced off in the consolation, maybe there's one book that overreacts, um, to John Rom early exit at the match play leaving early due to sickness at uh, the players uh and maybe he gets to ten to one I don't know he's like eight to one now I've, I could see him getting to ten um that you know that's for another show that's for next week to get even further into the masters board but I don't think it's a bad idea if you want to have a short card and exposure to one of those big three uh on the board because it just always seems to be the guy who's in the best form wins. Uh, obviously, with a little bit of, of course history as well. Um, but yeah, I won't get too much further in, into into masters in this video. There's gonna be a lot of content. We've got the mega cast with the staff um, as we did for the players, we'll bring that back. We have from the tips again. Um, you know diving into more like trends that are important, people who have good course history. I think the the live, um, topic is going to be the biggest storyline going into this year. It's the first time we've seen all of these live guys play a, a four round event, um, since the open last year, which is crazy. Um, and I, you know, spoiler alert there too, but I actually think I'll have some live guys on my betting card. I think they're going to slip um and i think this is their super bowl like more than it ever should be because this is their only opportunity and if you win a, a major then you qualify for all the other majors so they're going to be motivated whatever they're doing uh in their live season i think they're tuning up making sure they have the shots for augusta um so i i'm not going to watch live orlando cuz i don't care but um i am going to pay attention to the leaderboard afterwards and just see you know if, if camp smith is horrible and he gets past 30 to one, I'm probably going to bet him at the masters. So we'll see, but that's for, that's for another show for now. Um, we will skip ahead to, uh, to Valero. So, um, getting started with the Valero odds page as always, you can go to the lines.com search for Valero odds. And this odds page will come up. If you, if otherwise, you know where to find my tournament preview. And in that uh right here you can always click to the odds page and this is going to give you all evergreen content the current odds the odds trends the core specs uh everything you need to know independent of who's playing um can be found on this page i think it's always a helpful reference point even before my uh, full, full preview article comes out. This is always an evergreen page that exists. So um, if we look at the board this week, it is Tyrell Hatton, who is the prohibitive favorite at 13 to one that a pretty big gap uh, and a cluster of guys in the 20 to one range, um, Ricky Fowler being next, followed by Corey Connor, Sibu Kim, Hideki Matsuyama, and Davis Riley um, and Taylor Montgomery's in there too um Hatton should he be the prohibitive favorite I guess so um the injury is sort of like a hand lingering injury that came up on the practice screen before his first match at um the WGC last week he did not look good whatsoever he had a really soft group and didn't advance through it um and he's always played well in match play so that is definitely a concern and let's just say he did well in his group play, took care of business and then lost to Rory McIlroy in the second round, uh, as things were supposed to go. I think we would all feel a lot better about Tyrell Hatton. I don't, I don't think his number would be like 10 to one if he got out of his group in the field like this. So, um, I don't think it's a good number. He was number one in my model. Um, and he rates out really well and he has a couple top fives, you know, runner up at the players, definitely in great form and, and plays well in sort of windy conditions like this. But, um, I'm just not. I'm not feeling it on uh, on Tyrrell Hatton. I don't even know if I'll get there in DFS, to be honest, because we've got the Masters the next week, and if he has a lingering injury, he's he's kind of a WD risk, whether before the tournament or in tournament. I don't think he wants to get himself in, in more injured than he, he currently is. So something to monitor for sure, but not not somebody that I'll be betting. Um, there are a few guys in this twenty to one range I think are interesting. There's some value here, I would say. Um, something to monitor just in general is who is qualified for the masters and who needs to play themselves in. We haven't seen a lot of uh, favorites win this event, which I think is due to the fact that the favorites are typically already qualified for the masters. It's their last week before they want to tune up a little bit. Something I thought was really interesting last year. Um, Rory McIlroy came into this event and it was kind of like a head scratcher. Like, why are you here? You were just at the match play masters are next week. He never plays a week before the Masters, but he said he was going to try something new this year. And it was so weird because he was hitting these big sweeping draws into like, you know, he's in the middle of the fairway 120 out and he's hitting this dramatic right to left draw. And it's like, okay, I am watching somebody trying to tune up for shots at Augusta right now. He could not care any less about this event. And he missed the cut at Valero. He just went out there and said... I need two days of competition so that I can just feel a little bit loose, switch up the mojo and try out a couple shots on a course with a gallery around me. Uh, And he he straight up did that. And it was basically what everybody fears when we talk about a look ahead spot uh, or a tune up spot. But the year before Jordan Spieth came in here and you would have thought the exact same thing. The masters are next week. He cares so much about the masters. Obviously everybody does. um, But a past winner there, what's he doing at Valero? He couldn't care. Um, and he won at like 16 to one, odds. Uh, so, uh, it, it can go both ways. I, the masters motivation thing I think is overblown. Like y- if you win any week on the PGA tour, you qualify for the masters. So yes, this is your last opportunity to, uh, but you're not more motivated this week than you are other weeks. You're always motivated to win. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit of a false narrative, but obviously Ricky Fowler stands out here of everybody at the top of the list. Um, from Hatton, Connor, Siwoo, Matsuyama. Um, Montgomery's actually just on the outside looking in. Um, I think, I'm not sure if Riley's in. Uh, Kirk is definitely in. So of all these guys at the top, Fowler's actually the only one who's not qualified. Um, and he can only get in at this point if he uh, if he wins. He would have needed to get to, I think, the semifinals of the match play drew a brutal group, um, with, with Rama and, uh, it ended up being Billy Horschel who got out of it, um, at the match play. But in any case, uh, he's a popular bet this week, um, motivation or not. He just suits the course very well. Um, so I won't go through the entire board, but those are your favorites. And then if we scroll all the way down. To the core specs this week, TPC T- San Antonio Oaks course is uh, just over 7,400 yards as a par 72. It's actually top 10 on the PGA Tour in length, um, but it is not a course that bombers have had a ton of success um, true to the name Oaks course, there are a ton of trees here. There's a lot of lateral punch-outs. There's a lot of nefarious uh, stymied against a tree or deep in a forest situation. So it's a skill to have control of your golf ball off the tee, and it is a driver-heavy course. So it's not like you can lay up with uh, with three wood on every hole and, and play conservatively. You do still need to hit a lot of drivers. There's a lot of wind. Um, as well, so you need that distance. Um, I'm not going to say it's like a total, uh, total driving course, um, but if you're accurate with a driver in your hand, um, it, it's helpful. Um, but in general, I would say not necessarily a, a course where people gain a ton off the tee. Instead, it's definitely a fairway to green emphasis. Um, great approach players have one here, um, and they have some tricky bunkers. So short game touch around the green is going to continue to be important. Um, and I would also say the how slow the greens are here with, with Bermuda and a little bit of POA overseas. Um, that's pretty significant here because that's actually a very similar setup to what we just saw at Corrales. Um There's a lot of good players who played well, or I shouldn't say good. There's some average players who played, who played well at Corrales who fit this course well and have some pretty good history. So I think that's a really good comp course to look at. Um, just immediate recent form if you had a top 10 last week. I think you can bring that over here because both courses are long, um, but reward iron play first and foremost, and have slow greens, um, just because of how windy it is. They they can't have a two, uh, the greens roll too firm and faster; they wouldn't be able to stay on the green. Um, and yeah, fun fact: it's a it's a Greg Norman uh, design with Sergio Garcia consultation. So both of those guys are in Orlando this week. They're not able to come to their own course. Um, I'm very surprised that this course is still well, I guess it it needs to still be on the course rotation, but I'm surprised there haven't been the same rumors as there have been with, say, PJ National and Austin Country Club of this course falling off and, and um Mayakoba is another example. Uh of these courses falling off the new schedule next year. One, I don't like this course. I don't think there's anything noteworthy about it. I think it's a very vanilla assortment of holes. Um, but two, obviously, you know, we kind of want to disassociate from Greg Norman on the PGA tour. So why are you playing his course? If there's so many other great courses that you could have this, this event at instead, it has been here since 2010, but, um, the, um, the Valero Texas open has always um, shifted across uh, many Texas venues over the years. So not to say it has to be here forever. Um, other cor- comp courses, I would just look at pretty much all of the Texas courses. Cause they're going to share that wind in common. Um, if you look at like a colonial, I don't think that's the best comp because it's not a lot of drivers and it's a lot more dog legged. Um, but, uh, golf club, of Houston and Memorial park, where we have the Houston open. I would say that's probably the best comps that we have a little more difficult than what we have here. Um, but a good test and, and a lot of just Texas wind uh, in play. Silverado Resort, I think the profile of that course is very similar where we had the Fortinet Championship. It's decent amount of crossover success for guys who've, who've played well there. Um, and I already mentioned uh, Corrales is another pretty good one as well. Um, okay, and then lastly, we'll just take a quick look at the trends. Um, it's it's so interesting here. So. Three of the last four winners have opened at 200 to one or longer. Uh, JJ spawn most recently at 200 to one last year. Jordan speed then won as a favorite. And then it was Corey Connors who got in as a Monday qualifier the week of, uh, and Andrew Landry who picked up his first career win here before that. Kevin Chappell also seems like a random winner, but he was actually in great form. Um, this is essentially like, uh, like a Davis Riley. If you were to win this week is what uh, Kevin Chappell was doing in 2017. Um, and Charlie Hoffman, we haven't really talked too much about him, but this is his dojo. Um, he's, I want to say he has like five top five finishes in his career and three over the last five years. Um, not really sure why he's like, it's kind of random that this is the type of course he's had so much success, but very few other courses. Will you find the type of consistency that a player has like Charlie Hoffman, at the Valero Texas open, he did miss a cut for the first time since like 2006 of coming here last year. And he's coming off a miss cut at Corrales. This is probably the longest number you've ever seen Charlie Hoffman at this event. Um, but you know, if you want to sprinkle a long shot, it, it seems like regardless of form, he just kind of shows up here. Um, and then lastly, just looking at the winning score trends. Um, I would say 2019 when Corey Connors won was definitely an outlier, um, he won at 20, 20 under par and the median score was six under, which is, um, you know, much lower than, than what we traditionally have seen. Um, and they got like record rainfall going into that tournament this year. It's been like record dry record heat. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't expect 20 under, I think minus 14, what we had last year when there was a lot of, uh, wind, uh, prevalent throughout the, the, the event, it was blowing pretty significantly for better part of the weekend so there was definitely some carnage a lot of bogeys i would expect the same this year like minus 13 that might be enough to win uh again in 2023
1: you're listening to the lines.com
0: podcast network
1: looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports bettor.
0: Um, okay. So let's then that's the background on the course. Let's move on to, uh, the model this week. So I'm going to pull up and zoom in the model just to see the, the key stats that I plugged in this week. Again, this is all in fantasy national, um, in a mixed condition model. So uh, in order of priority, I started with a uh, strokes gain approach this week. You look at anywhere that JJ Spawn and, and Jordan Spieth and, and Corey Connors have won recently. That is a very clear through line of what's most important um, to find success here. Uh, I then went to comp course history with all of those other somewhat challenging Texas and wind influence courses. Um, and then as a recent form proxy, I like strokes scan T to green over the last 12 rounds um the greens here are really tough to predict uh from like a modeling standpoint we've had really bad putters put well here we've had really good putters not put well here um so i'm not really putting too much emphasis on putting this week i'll look at recent tee to green form and hope that that's enough to you know have a have a strong pop week on the greens um, good drives gain is what I'm going to use as a, as a workaround to uh, strokes gain off the tee or driving accuracy. It's just a good way to see who puts themselves in position, uh, which is all that matters on a course like this because the rough's really not that penal. If you just miss the fairway, you're still going to be fine to hit these greens um, for the most part from, from the rough here. So I uh, really like good drives gain, Put it, put it higher weight on that than I normally would. And then I have uh, strokes gain ball striking again, just to like kind of indirectly put a little strokes gain off the tee in there, but also heavy up on the approach uh, or double down on the approach uh, play, which I think is important. Strokes gain around the green whenever it's windy and moderate scoring conditions, you're always going to have to scramble a little bit. Uh, Stroke gain putting just a little bit here for the last 36 rounds. And then I have bogey avoidance, strokes gain total in windy uh, courses, so not exactly the same courses as the comps. Um, and then uh, par five scoring the par fives are no gimmies here. Um, two at least two of them are not reachable in three, which in two, which is again why I like the Corralis uh comp. Anybody who's able to um make birdies on those par fives is typically good with their short game or good with their like flip wedges. So, kind of a unique skill set to have this week, and then course history. Um and just looking at the course history, it's always interesting when the odds-on favorite has never played the course before and he's such a prohibitive favorite. Um, so if you just need a reason to feel good about uh fading the favorite this week, I think that makes me feel good about not playing Tyrell Hatton. Um but yeah, so then going into the model now, it is Tyrrell Hatton number one. Uh he's number one in approach. Ball striking, number two in gojai's Gain and number one strikes in T to Green over the last 12 rounds. So uh, obviously he suits the course well. He hasn't played it yet, but uh, assuming he's healthy, he should he should have a good week, but you never know with, uh, with the Masters look ahead. Um, after that, we have uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Chris Kirk. Mitchell has withdrawn, so after him it is Siwoo, uh Alex Smalley, Eric Cole, Ricky Fowler, Aaron Rye, Brendan Todd, And Thomas Dietrich would be the last man in the top 10. Um, Looking at uh, my bets now, um, let's see. So it is Tuesday afternoon, and I do not have a full betting card yet, uh, which is unusual. It's been a busy busy week of work, so um, I have not really had a chance to super overanalyze the odds. And I think... Usually I would uh, have a full betting card Monday morning and capitalize on a lot of value as soon as the odds are up. I missed the boat on that, and I'm kind of feeling it now with uh, not so much value left uh, on Tuesday. But here's where I'm at. I basically have room for one more guy, Um, and I skipped the, the top two here, which we'll come back to. But I started my card with Ricky Fowler. Got him at 24 to one. That was basically the first thing I saw on Monday morning. I got that in and then, you know, I came back to it later and all the other odds were gone. But uh has nothing to do with the Masters narrative. I'm, I just think Ricky Fowler is playing the best golf uh, outside of Tyrrell Hatton of anybody in this group. He looked fantastic in in the match play. I thought he should have advanced, but he drew a tough group again. Um, but he looked really good. He's clicking in all facets, facets of his game. Obviously he wants to get to the masters, um, but he's a better player than most, uh, most guys in this field. And you can see from a statistical standpoint, um, you know, just, just very above average talking about top 25 in approach T to green last 12 ball striking bogey avoidance. So all things that should lead to a safe floor. He's also, had good history here. He's 20th in, in strokes gain total at, uh, at TPC San Antonio. Um, after Fowler, I have Aaron, Rye. I love Aaron Rye's fit this week. He was a withdrawal from, I believe the Valspar for an undisclosed reason. Excuse me. Uh, he was the, he was a withdrawal from the Valspar for an undisclosed reason. Um, but before that, he looked really good at the players. He was top 20 um, there, and he had an ace on the 17th, which is always fun. Uh, just a really good fit for a course like this. He won the Scottish Open, so he kind of proved that he can play in windy conditions. He's a great ball striker. Um, he's top, he's number three in good drives game. He's top two in tee to green, which is really impressive in this field. Uh, top 10 in ball striking. So um, just a good statistical match. The putter hasn't really quite been there recently, but he is a better putter than what the recent stats would suggest. So I think he can putt to level. I think he can even have a positive putting week this week. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Brendan Todd, number 10 in my model. He's on the card at 55 to one. Um, another player who you might think, uh, a short course specialist, but, um, he's had good results here. He was finished, uh, top 10 here in 2022. He finished uh, third at the Charles Schwab challenge at Colonial Country Club last year. So he's had a lot of success in the state of Texas. Um, accurate, accurate player. He's going to be, you know, top 10 in driving accuracy pretty much every year. Um, so, you know, he's going to avoid the trouble. He's 16th in comp course history. I like that indicator. Uh, and the short game has been fantastic. You see six here in strokes getting around the green, 15th in uh, in putting. So, um, if he keeps it in the fairway, he has a good approach week. Then it seems like his baseline on of short game is just better than what we're seeing from everybody else. And 13th in course history overall. So of course he's had some success at it. It definitely seems like a sticky course for course history. Uh, Matt Wallace, our boy in good graces. Every time we hit an outright, um, that's our guy from, from now on into perpetuity. So we love Matt, Matt Wallace. I honestly thought he could have been as short as 30 to one this week. Um, Coming off the win, usually the books do overreact to a win, but I think because it was in an opposite field, it's not really uh, actually being reflected here as much as it should. But if Corrales is one of the better comps um, that I'm seeing to TPC San Antonio, then why not go back to the guy who won that tournament? Um, His best win, uh, or sorry, his best finish before that win was a T3, as we mentioned at this event, and it makes sense. Plays good in the wind. Uh, T to green, he's been fantastic, but especially from um, from fairway to green, he's 14th in strokes gained approach and 11th in strokes gained around the green. Uh, I believe he is the only player to be top 14 in both of those categories. And that's what I really like to see. on a course, it has a lot of like 600 yard part fives um, because your birdie opportunities are really like scrambling opportunities. Um, and that is what Matt Wallace does so well he's he's improved so much from around the green over the last few years the uh off the tee game was a concern but it seems like he's flipped that around uh at least recently it's hard to miss the fairways at corrales that's probably the biggest difference between tpc san antonio and here but um it you know it looked really good from what i was watching uh no um no strokes gain obviously but he passed the eye test um, and then Akshay Batia, a uh, little bit of a, a heart bet, uh, but 150 to one, that's a misprice. I, I really honestly thought uh, after he posted that 63, essentially, I think he shot 29 on the front nine on Friday uh, at Corrales. I thought he was about to be a top 10 favorite. He had a runner up at the Puerto Rico Open. He has three top 25s uh, in six starts this year between... The Bermuda Championship, the Puerto Rico Open, and the Corrales Punta Cana. Obviously, a resort specialist is, is the through line there, but I see a lot of correlation with the windy courses. He's also played well at Pebble Beach. Um, so he, the the thing that's exciting about Akshay is he's top 20 in, in short game approach, 22nd in, in ball striking, and none of his best finishes are even reflected in that with, with all of them coming outside of the United States with no shot length. So his stats are actually much better than this. So the fact that he's still ranking 34th in the bottle uh, is really encouraging. Um, and then, so these are the five bets I've placed. I have sort of room for like one more guy at like 30 to one. Um, but I really like Matsuyama and I really like Sibu Kim. I was kind of thinking about picking one and going a little slightly overexposed and, and putting a little less uh, less money into the placement bets this week to account for that. Um, I just think Hideki, I don't know if he's, if he's hurt, then it would naturally make sense for him to skip this event and rest up for the masters. Uh, the only reason you would play through an injury is if the injury wasn't really that serious. Um, I, I just, I don't understand why he would be here injured. It's very confusing to me, but Logically, if he is going out of his way to play this tournament that he really does not need to be at, um, then the injury he has to feel better about his health than he's letting on. So, uh, if the odds slip any further, I saw him get to twenty nine. Now he's at twenty seven. He gets back to twenty nine. I might do it, or I might try to live bet him if um, if if he, I don't know, is slow out the gates, but uh, but is. <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to justify betting betting hideki matsuyama but i i want to avoid a xander situation where we're at the century tournament of champions and he says i'm hurt and then he actually is hurt and he withdraws in the middle of the tournament um so we'll see i, I don't know I, i'm kind of processing this in real time i have no idea how to finish my card um and Sibu kim odds are a little short but he's so consistent here um 12th in course history fifth in approach and, uh, and fourth in bogey avoidance. So it just seems like somebody who's almost a lock to be in contention. Um, he is in the master's field, but he always plays this event. So I don't think he's looking ahead. Um, definitely somebody I like in the top 20 market. Um, okay. So that is the, that was the card for the Valero Texas open. Uh, thank you guys for following along. I wish you the best of luck with your Valero bets. And I can't wait to see you next week. Uh, when we really dig into master's week. So thank you guys again and best of luck with your bets.